I just started practicing in ways where I was having measurability. Mm-hmm. Um, I could like measure if I heard God correctly or not. Yeah. So I started pressing into like um, discernment and word of knowledge because they were great measuring tools. Prophecy is a little bit hard to measure mm-hmm. because it's a little bit like, is that encouraging? Is that not? The person can that can ebb and flow depending on the season they're in, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then prophecy is about the telling of the coming future, the foretelling aspect. So you kind of just have to wait yeah. to find out. Yeah. Past. People don't always come back and tell you. So I was like, all right, God, what are some things I could do now to practice hearing you? And so I just started kind of like playing around with them. Um, I would play like little games with myself. I would uh, pick locations in the world and like create little numbers for them, like location one, location two. I would put them on cards, mix them up. I wouldn't know what they were, but I trusted the Holy Spirit read them. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and I would just start writing down, be like, Holy Spirit, like I would start writing down what I got. And here was a huge key that changed things for me. I was doing it and I would kind of like, I had some growth in it, but Dan McCollum gave me the best key ever. And he said, um, the, he called it the love bridge, but like, mm. he's like, if you tap into God's love for something, like love will share its secrets with you. Mm. Um, but if you're just trying to get information, like you can do that, but you'll only go so far. Wow. So then I started being like, okay, what do you love about this person? Mm. Or what do you love about this location? And a lot of times I would hear things and it. There was nothing about that that would really reveal the location or person to me but then eventually i it started to grow and i started to hear him more um because god's god's all about relationship right so what is your he cares about that the most um but he also like he wants us to hear him accurately like he does but it's a process like nobody's upset with a kid when he's first learning how to actually every learning uh, environment that we have at bethel um and at, at our personal ministries is that we create the safe place for people to actually move in, move in the gifts of the spirit, move with in the power of the Holy spirit yeah. without, you know, the uh, fear of shame yeah. or failure. And I think that, you know, if you look at the, especially the religious world, and I'll say religious world as a positive, like all the religious world. And you see the, what people think that the, the an, an infallible God expects infallibility from his people and then there's this kind of like kind of like a, almost like a curse that you live under that if you don't get it right the first time, you're a false prophet or a false right. teacher, or you're, you're a bad shepherd, you're, you know, you're whatever. And the only way people actually learn, and we've trained hundreds of thousands of people over the last 25 years, is that they have to know that God has a plan for fallibility because he created fallible humans. Yeah, which we can see in scripture. <laughs> yeah, you know, let two or three prophets speak, let the others pass judgment. You know, First Thessalonians 5, you know, don't despise prophetic utterances, examine everything carefully, hold fast to what is good. So, I mean, and there's lots of other scriptures in there where we see that God has actually planned a safety net around his people so that people can move in the gifts of the Spirit without the feeling of having to be infallible, which is yeah. an impossible standard for anybody, totally. any human, in yeah. any exercise. Yeah. So, um, and so I think we do it really well. We do kind of have coaches and refs. Mm-hmm. We are, we are, uh, you know, actually going, well, that's, there's a better way to do that. No, that really wasn't accurate. And that way you can make adjustments in the way that you hear the Lord and making sure you're really hearing the Lord and not your spirit, making sure that your prejudice doesn't get involved in there. Your experience isn't clouding things you do. Yeah. It's beautiful. No. I love My it. Spe- the special sauce is the way the Holy Spirit manifests through every different person. You can't replicate it. Like if I did a report with you, it'd be how he talks through me and how he talks through you. Right. So this is the expression of the body coming together. So we started something called the prophetic lab, which is a place for people to learn, um, how to prophesy. So we do some basic stuff, but then we also teach them um, the concept of how to process their prophetic words. Cause 
that's the one thing about the report that's different than just receiving prophetic ministry is we process it for you. We show you how to like find themes, patterns, pay attention to signs and symbols, decode them. Um, I'm really deeply passionate about people stewarding their prophetic words and how to partner with them and analyze them. I'm kind of like, you actually called this out in me a long time ago. You said you're a prophetic analyst. And I didn't know what that meant until later I started, as I was building the prophetic reports and doing analysis, I was like, oh my gosh, Liz was right. This is happening. <laughs> Liz Wright was right. Once again, <laughs> that's her last name for a reason, people. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we take them through the whole process of teaching them. Like I take them through some basics on how to do, how to prophesy. Um, and then I teach them how to process a report. And um, we do that at propheticlab.com. Uh, and then eventually we'll be doing that through the SQ Institute as well. Part of the way, like this is this is one aspect of a prophetic lab, yeah. is that sometimes when we know the person that we're ministering to, we can have, we can have like ideas about what they should be doing and it can totally. filter in. But one of the things that we're doing in the prophetic labs, with it, which I think is interesting, is give, instead of giving you the name of a person and who they are, we're giving you a number and saying you're going to minister over number 777 and it's it's a male or a female yeah and then we create these labs where several people minister to the same person but they don't know who that person is besides whether they're male or female right so you what happens in that we call it what double blind or something double right? blind methodology yeah and what happens is is that the beauty of the thread that happens through this group of people ministering to somebody they don't know yeah and getting similar things or even the same thing or the same phrase it, and then and then putting it together in in some sort of a report right. whether it be verbal uh, recorded or whether it be you know uh, actually articulated in a, in a in a form is is really it's a double blind methodology so the people prophesying they don't know who they're prophesying over but they also submit their intel separately and so they don't know what each other are getting and yet patterns will emerge this part is profound to me where you'll have like eight people talking about the same thing and so we'll pull that out in the report and we're just like, hey, pattern alert. We don't know. Like, we're just, well, I never land anywhere in the report to say this is absolutely what, what it is. Like, I always leave everything to the receiver to decide if they feel this is what the Lord is saying to them. So I'm very cautious with it. Um, but it is profound. It would be like, hey, pattern alert. Eight people are talking about a real estate transaction in this country. You should take a look at this. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I love your languaging as well, because it is spiritual intelligence, isn't it? I mean, it's yes. the, the mind of God communicating, the, the mind and the heart of God communicating to the receiver in yes. a life transforming way. I mean, it's just yes. amazing. Okay. So yeah. So, you know, as we started doing reports, I was like realizing, I was like, people were kind of coming to us a lot. And I was like, Hey, I just want you guys to know, like, we're just a group of people going after God, praying and listening to God's heart. You can do this too. <laughs> like, this is really about the body coming together. So the Bible tells us we, we prophesy in part, we see in part, we know in part. Right. And so the big thing that I'm really passionate about is we all hold puzzle pieces. So like what happens when our puzzle pieces come together? And so, so something I always tell people about Aquaregia is yes, you can purchase a report, the way we structure the business is that everyone that prophesies in the report does so voluntarily. Um, the investment goes towards like copywriting, design, printing, publishing. I can't do all those things without. Yeah. Um, so, so those are, um, and so we've had a, a great time. It's like an experiment of faith. This is what I tell people mm. when you order a report, like we're putting in your faith and we're putting in ours mm. because the truth is now nobody ever knows who they're prophesying, which yeah. you, you know, right? Yeah. you know that like you, you get a code name, you're like yeah. female 220, like you have no idea who it is. 
Yeah. In the front of all our reports, we have a huge disclaimer that's like, our intent is to encourage you. Um, we're going to go after some things and we can certainly swing and miss. Like, so uh -huh. like you have to like, you have to judge like prophetic, you know, everybody should judge their prophetic words. I think sometimes people get a prophetic word and they're like, oh, this is all of this is literal and it is for now. And I should do exactly what it says where I'm like, you actually play a part in dissecting it, partnering with it and, and stewarding it. Yeah. So I just call it out. I think some people get intimidated to take these classes because they think, do I have to be this like master prophet? Yeah. No. And no. listen, can I tell you something? When you're practicing hearing God's voice, it's great to get things right, but it's also great to learn. Yeah. Like I have definitely thought I heard God about some stuff mm -hmm. and I was wrong. <laughs> okay. It has happened. But I, it, in those moments, I've been like, okay, God, was that you or was that me? Or how did I misinterpret you? And those are some of my juiciest moments in my relationship oh, with yeah. the walk with the Lord where I'm like, I become a student. The minute we stop learning, yeah. right, is the minute we stop advancing in the kingdom. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. Hey, y'all, thank you so much today for joining me again on the Love Six Scribe podcast. If you tuned in last week, then you know that this is part two for the part one of the Prophetic Lab, where we talked last week about an introduction into understanding the foundation of the Prophetic Lab, the origin of it, the founder of it, and to understand her background a little bit more. And so today we're going to be talking about the prophetic reports that are created from the Prophetic Lab, uh, from Aqua Regia, which is the for-profit company, and talking about the services they provide for that. Things have changed now since last year when I did the first, um, the first time I did this episode. I did it in January of 2022. Since that time, actually in this year, um, the Prophetic Lab has joined and merged with the, the Spiritual Intelligence Institute, which has partnered up with um, Lindsay Ryman, the founder of Aqua Regia, Dan McCollum, and Chris Vallotton of Bethel. And so today we're going to be looking at the prophetic reports. Uh, the cost of them, what that entails. And a little later in this episode, I'm going to interject another video uh, reading to you some of the sample pages from the mini report that's available on the website of Aqua Regia when you click on to order a report. So you can kind of see what they're saying, and you're going to hear a little bit of what Lindsay has said in some of these pages about how they view the prophetic and, and uh, about missing it, swinging and missing, and, and other things, and, and the instructions they give to people about their report. So I'm offering this information to you so you know what's going on and you can test it against scripture yourself and ask some questions um, about the prophetic. <laughs> if it's supposed to be a swing and a miss, uh, if we're supposed to put things on the shelf, if God is alleging to say something, uh, if we're practicing hearing or playing with the Holy Spirit or practicing hearing the voice of God. So again, I hope that this episode is helpful as we dive into the second installment of the prophetic lab. And today we will discuss the company Aqua Regia and the Prophetic Lab along with the Prophetic Report and how it's done. And we're also going to take a peek at services offered through Aqua Regia and the Prophetic Lab, as well as social media posts pertaining to the Prophetic Lab. And at the end of this two-part examination, you should have the necessary information to test in accordance with Scripture what I am presenting, as well as the practices called into question and to thoughtfully ask is this practice modeled in scripture and is the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth through this? As mentioned previously, Aqua Regia is a spiritual intelligence for-profit company 
that, quote, utilizes prophecy, word of knowledge, dream interpretation, strategic intercession, and discernment to unlock practical solutions in professional and personal realms of those we serve, end quote. The topic of spiritual intelligence will not be addressed today as this is another rabbit hole in and of itself. But to give you a basic definition as to what they mean by spiritual intelligence, it is to think like God and to have God's thoughts. The name Aquaregia is Latin for royal water, and the founder of Aquaregia and the Prophetic Lab came across the name while pondering on the teaching of finding the golden people as is taught in the prophetic ministry of Bethel. So I was like researching gold and I was looking at this like research paper on it and it was like blah, 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 like chemistry, boring information. And then it goes da, 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 Aquaregia. And this is where my discerners will know what I'm talking about. The word, I don't know how to explain it, but the word like jumped off the page and like landed on me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? What is Aquaregia? And I heard um, God say, well, uh, it's a secret organization. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I like Googled it to like try to find out about it. I thought it was like a secret society or something, right? <laughs> uh, I was like, what, what is it? And um, I was like, what you're going to create. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just was like, what are you saying? What kind of organization is it? And I, I couldn't find anything on the internet about it because it didn't exist yet. Yeah. So um, I was like, what does that word even mean? And the Lord was like, look up the meaning of aquaregia. And so it's Latin um, and its definition means royal water or King's water. And that um, really hit me. I was like, ooh, that's a good name. And um, he was like, look into the history of it. And that is when I started to kind of begin to understand what was unraveling. Um, So for my interpreters out there, listen for the symbolism. So uh, she shares in several interviews of seeing this name and it jumping off the page onto her with God telling her it was a secret company. She then began looking into its origins, tracing it back to 8th century alchemists, and we'll come back to that in just a few minutes, and then with a Hungarian chemist during World War II who dissolved two Nobel Peace Prizes in Aquaregia and hid them from the Nazis to then return after the war and restore the Nobels back to their original state. In this small clip, she shares some of the history of Aquaregia while making her own prophetic connection. And so I was like, he's like, look up what it means. And so um, Aquaregia is Latin and it means royal water or king's water. And the history of it is really interesting. It is um, when I looked into the history uh, in the, so here's the story. In the eighth century, alchemists discovered a chemical compound made up of three parts, symbolism, the Trinity, <laughs> um, wow. that would liquefy bricks of gold. And so uh, they aptly named it Aquaregia, right? Now, here is where um, the history of it will fast forward to World War II. Um, the Nazis are invading Denmark, and there is a chemist that has to flee his laboratory, but he has a Nobel Peace Prize. So the Nobel Peace Prizes are made out of like solid gold. And as history tells us, the Third Reich was stealing all the gold, right? So he was like, I don't want to lose this. So he's like, haha, I'll use Aquaregia. So he uses Aquaregia to liquefy the Nobel Peace Prize. He pours it into a beaker. He puts the beaker on a shelf with other beakers full of common chemicals. He leaves, the Nazis invade, and eventually the war is over. And he finds his Nobel Peace Prize undisturbed, right? Because it was concealed. And they were able to take that liquid gold and turn it back into a Nobel Prize. She goes on to say that the Lord told her this upon reading about the Nobel Prizes. So when I read this piece of history on it, the Lord spoke to me and said, the interpretation for your business is that Aquaregia hides in plain sight and protects from the enemy. 
Oh my goodness. You know, right. But at the time I'm like, wait, what's my business and how am I hiding in plain sight? And it was shortly after that, that I got a unique invitation to go to a Hollywood party and um, essentially replace the psychics they were going to hire and prophesy instead. So we would go to this party, be in plain sight, prophesying amongst um, kind of a party atmosphere where honestly people are drinking and they're smoking. And we were just there to like release God's heart and one of the most profound um, ministry trips I'd ever done. And so I was like, oh, okay. So we're supposed to be like undercover and bringing the prophetic into places outside the church. And we did that several times. I've done um, seven parties now where I've had the opportunity to replace psychics and prophesy instead, which is profound. Now she goes on to lay the foundation for this business and the prophetic lab with personal spiritual experiences. And if you haven't already, you can listen to part one where I go into detail about this, but let's get back to Aqua Regia. Royal water did come about in the eighth century from an alchemist, but it is not made up of three parts. It is actually made up of a ratio of three parts to one part, three parts being hydrochloric acid and one part being nitric acid, which is a nasty combination emitting fumes and was known to cause chemical explosions. It did dissolve metals such as gold, platinum, and silver. And something I found interesting when I looked into alchemy is that it used external and internal methods to purify the body and to prolong life. It originated in ancient Egypt and was incorporated into other cultures over time. By the 16th century, it had spread into Europe and it had separated into two groups. First group is what we know as modern chemistry in discovering new compounds and reactions, while the second group led to modern day alchemy, focusing on the spiritual and metaphysical side with an emphasis on immortality and the transmutation of base metals such as lead into gold. Now, here's another element of this which may be of interest. Alchemists kept their information secret because they thought they had discovered powerful knowledge in turning base metals into gold. So they would write in code. For example, the code name for nitric acid could be Red Dragon. And not only would they write in code, but they would draw in code to conceal knowledge. So I've seen older pictures when I was doing some research on this. The alchemists would draw these images of a dragon, for example, that would represent aqua regia and, and a fox together or a dragon and an eagle. And they would do this narration with the pictures. And for them, it was a secret code to talk about these elements that they had found so that no one, kings and other people that have high authority would not be able to find out these secrets they believed they had found of turning lead into gold because they believed this was powerful knowledge. Now, spiritual alchemists sought to liberate the soul from the physical matter. And the transmutation of lead into gold was seen as a process of self-actualization, spiritual rebirth. A modern author named Nancy Shandira wrote a book called The Gold Within You. And she said this, Alchemical processes are merely symbols for the inner process of transforming our, quote, lead into our true state of being. By embracing the gold within, we learn of our soul and its purpose. I found this wording interesting of finding the gold within. And as you will see in a minute, the code names used in the prophetic lab may or may not have any significant correlation with this. When it comes to providing the prophetic reports for either an individual or a business, this is done using a double-blind method, according to Lindsay, 
meaning that a gatekeeper or handler is the point person who knows the identity of the person or business but is not permitted to prophesy. Lindsay is typically this person. She talks about this in some of the interviews that she did, particularly the one with Ben Armstrong back in 2019, where she says most of the time she is the actual gatekeeper or handler, the one that knows the information about the person and keeps it secret while other people don't know. Those who prophesy to the individual have no knowledge of the recipient except what is called an ID code. This is where she says, quote, Jesus shows up, end quote. We will look at the code words more in some social media posts. Each prophetic word is also said to be produced independently, meaning there is no contact between anyone on the prophetic team. After a process is completed, quote, a collection of prophetic words is put together in a highly stylized way, end quote. According to their website, the report has three sections. The first is intelligence where the prophetic words come forth for the recipient, typically from 10 to 15 prophetic reporters, and there is attention given to emerging patterns. The second section is interpretation, where intelligence is compiled by pattern tracking specialists who identify patterns and themes, decoding themes and key messages from God. The trackers look for, quote, foretelling, actionable intel, themes and patterns, and keepers and seekers, end quote. In some of the interviews, I've even heard her talk about that they help to formulate their um, lab and such through 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 means like the the, the CIA uses and, and things like that. So they're putting together, trying to do an experimental type scientific way while incorporating other means in, in secular use. Keepers are words of encouragement while seekers equate to feeling something on a word God might be saying. So here is a clip with Lindsay talking with Chris Valentin in 2021 about the trackers who analyze data and track patterns, or what has also been said in interviews as, quote, interpreting parables. Let's listen for just a little bit. The trackers are my team of people. They go, they operate in two ways. They're very analytical. They're like prophetic analysts, but they're also discerners. So they will first go through... And they will pull out all the themes and patterns and they'll pull out the key words and things they feel weighed on. Got it. Then I have this one girl, her name's Erin, one of the most, you know, you ever meet some people that just make you uncomfortable with their gift? (laughs) She makes me uncomfortable. So she like goes through the report and she's like, where is truth? And she'll pull stuff out and be like, I feel so much truth on these things. And then she'll look at them and tie them together into a prophetic interpretation. Wow. Her accuracy on this is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Now, a few things here to consider. Is this modeled in Scripture? Do we see this model for prophecy being done in Scripture? Is this how prophecy was done in either the Old or New Testament? We do not see prophets doing a form of cold reading, which this is a form of cold reading. We also do not see the model of picking out words based on feeling truth on them. When God spoke, it was clear, coherent, and authoritative. Does God ever speak in such a way that it is not authoritative? And if he did, how do we know when it is authoritative and when it is not? I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but I have questions. There is a premise established in this that prophecy can be fallible and that it is not about being right or wrong, but hearing the voice of God, as we'll see later on. How can one be certain the truth they feel is from God, and how can we trust a fallible person or fallible people 
who hold a fallible prophecy while saying they are hearing God's voice. I hope you see the double-mindedness in this and the confusion that this can bring. The, the third section to a prophetic report is called the Executive Summary, and it consists of a one-page overview with key points and unpacking the depth of the report, which my understanding from what I've heard in interviews, the report is about 60 pages long, and they use, again, a highly stylized way to put it together, meaning, I guess, nice quality paper and, and printing and such. The prophetic report goes through an editing process with a copy editor as well as a prophetic editor. In her interview with Ben Armstrong, Lindsay says that they want the word to be, quote, healthy, respectful, and fit for a king. So let's take a little bit of time and listen back in to their interview back in 2019. So the prophetic editor, um, they just make sure that the word is healthy, respectful, and fit for a king. So for example, I have some people on my team that have these amazing like deliverance mantles, right? Yeah. And so they sometimes will like tap into like, oh, I think I saw like there needs to be some inner healing about something in the past. And you're like, eh, we're not going to put that in the report. You know yeah. what I mean? Because we don't really have... So the prophetic editor goes through and makes sure it's all respectful, honorable, and appropriate. So 1 Corinthians exactly. you know, 14 verse 3 is, is so important with all of this. So we're looking to strengthen people, encourage people to, to edify them, build them up. And we're making sure that these words are in line with that. Yeah. But not just that, also in line with language yes. that people understand. So. Being in the church, a lot of people are raised in the church, and we have really churchy language. Well, that's not translatable in the world. So No, you're like talking about apostolic. I've used that word before, and people are like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, let me make this so you can understand what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. So simple, simple things like uh, instead of saying, I see God giving you a new wineskin in this season, yes. we would say, maybe I see God giving you a new operating system. And, yeah. and it's just changing the, the language to fit the audience. So we know the audience is a certain audience, this totally. is their language. Okay, how do we yeah. interpret what Joe Blow is saying over here, prophetic guy or girl, and and how do we put it in a language that this person can understand, could, could receive and understand? Yeah, and it's beautiful. Now, I want to read to you a little bit of First Corinthians fourteen, and keep in mind that First Corinthians fourteen was written by the Apostle Paul, and the audience was not unbelievers. The audience was the church in Corinth. And what Paul has to say about spiritual gifts, which I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12 to read about spiritual gifts. 13 is important. 1 Corinthians 13, all the Bible is important. But when you're talking about in context of what we're talking about here, it's really important to read all those chapters together. And when you're reading 1 Corinthians 14, it's really good to maybe do an in-depth study on that, to look at commentaries, to to really search these things out and to see what the context was then and what was going on. Because there's a lot of uh, discussion and, and debate on, on what this chapter is talking about. And there is a great tendency to pull verses out of context and to misappropriate them. 
Now, 1 Corinthians 14, of course, whole thing of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul is actually correcting the Corinthian church because they've got a lot of doctrinal issues. They've got a, they, they're doing a lot of things that are not in accordance with how God would want them to walk in a Christ-like manner. And so Paul is having to address some things here and to correct some things. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he's addressing the issues with prophecy and tongues that's going on among the Corinthian church. By the way, there's no other church that he talks to about this. If you'll look in scripture, this is the only church that we see in the epistles where he is addressing this issue. He says, in verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. This was the verse that they were referencing, and it was mentioned in that clip. Let me go on. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So we can see, as we even go on through 1 Corinthians 14, that Paul is talking about building up the church. The spiritual gifts are for building the church. They're not for building up self. I know I've talked about tongues before, and it would seem that that is one of the one of the few gifts that people will talk about that is actually for building yourself up. I used to, uh, sad to say, I used to teach people how to pray in tongues. And one of the things that we would tell people at the altar is we would quote Jude 20 to them, Jude 120. Uh, be ye beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And it's actually read into the text by by some, including what I used to do, that that is actually praying in tongues. It doesn't say that in the passage. So praying in the Spirit, for example, I know this is off topic, but praying in the Spirit could be praying according to the will of God by the Holy Spirit. But sometimes people will read into it and say that it's actually talking about praying in tongues. And when you're trying to tell someone how to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and talk them through it, then one of the things you'll, that, that's one of the things that would be told to them. Tongues seems to be uh, one of the gifts that is designated for personal edification, but we don't see that in Scripture. Now, another thing to mention, too, in 1 Corinthians 14, just as a side note, when you go through here, is as you go on down to verse 20 in 1 Corinthians 14, and Paul begins to talk about uh, referencing Isaiah 28 verses 11 through 12, where the people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, will I speak to this people? And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. He's talking about the judgment that came on the Jews in the Old Testament times when the Assyrians came and they spoke a language that Israel could not understand. And when Israel heard these, these people, they knew they were under judgment because they were hearing tongue spoken, a known language, but that was unknown to them. So Paul goes on to say in verse 22, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. And then he goes on to say, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or believers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, which prophesy can mean not just foretelling and reading somebody's mail, like we say in some of these, like it's been said in some of these circles or some people say, but prophecy is forthtelling. It's, it's proclaiming 
for on behalf speaking forth is is what prophecy means it's speaking forth that's the gospel so if these people if an unbeliever comes in of all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters enters where enters the church he is convicted by all he is called to account by all and he's convicted this is not a word that's said to be um, honorable or in, it's it's concerned about that person as far as like making sure that that person is protected in their feelings or honoring them or whatever. This is about presenting the gospel to them in true prophecy. Conv- it says convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. I say that to say all this, that even when looking at these passages, you know, like I said, they mentioned 1 Corinthians 14, 3, and even in looking at 1 Corinthians 14, 22, I just read to you, they did not mention that, but in listening to this, that one came to mind, and I'm thinking, well, the spiritual gifts are for the church, for building up the church, and prophecy is assigned to believers, because when unbelievers actually hear the gospel being presented, and they're coming under conviction by the Holy Spirit and they're falling on their faces and the secrets of their heart, which are not good, by the way, we're not talking about the, the secret um, desires of the heart that are pleasing to God, because we know that apart from God, the word says in Jeremiah that our hearts are deceitful and wicked. And we can't, we essentially can't know the depths of that wickedness. No one can know them except God. He sees that and he knows that. And that's why he sent Jesus, because we needed a savior, the savior, not just any savior, but the savior. So when we see all this in context in 14, 1 Corinthians 14, that spiritual gifts are for building up the church, it should cause us to ask some questions because the unbelievers coming in and again, hearing prophecy, which is the proclamation of the word of God. We know based on what was discussed last week that they provide prophetic reports to unbelievers, people of other faiths, and atheists. And there's even a place on their website where you can donate a non-tax-deductible gift toward a report for someone on their evangelism wish list. They state here, quote, several reports have been sent as gifts to individuals who do not necessarily associate themselves with faith. This has resulted in an open door for conversations around faith as well as recipients experiencing the love of God, end quote. So here's another question I want to ask. Are we supposed to be prophesying to unbelievers in this way? I have mentioned before that prophecy seems to be viewed as foretelling or knowing intimate knowledge about someone. However, prophecy is foretelling. As I've already stated, it's the full gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is prophetic because it testifies of Christ. And what exactly is the experience these people are having? If they're experiencing the love of God, what does that mean? It sounds very subjective. And are they hearing the full gospel being ministered? If you listen last week, you will understand why this is being asked and why I have genuine concerns. And I hope you do as well as a Christian, because that is what we're called to do. When you talk about destiny or purpose that we have, we're told in Matthew 28, we're to make disciples, just as the disciples were told by Christ in Matthew 28, that that commission has not changed. We follow the leader who is Christ. We minister his word, his gospel, 
his plan, his, per, we, we minister his word. And so if you want to know what you're called to do as a Christian, you're called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're called to glorify God in word and deed in all that you do. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't need someone telling you what, how heaven sees you, what your identity is. You should be able to read the Bible and see what your identity is in Christ. And that's encouraging. That's encouraging that we can actually read the Bible and that we can be built up by the word of God, reading the word of God, having the Holy Spirit illuminate the word to us in the proper way to where we understand the way that we should walk and in glorifying Christ. Lindsay also mentioned about deliverance gifted members not having their words incorporated into the report when they are said to sense the necessity. And I wonder why that's the case. If deliverance is such an important aspect of ministry, and she has people on her team that are saying that they have this gift of discerning that when someone needs deliverance, and it is said that deliverance is necessary according to the Lord, according to the Holy Spirit and these teachings that come forth with inner healing and such, I'm wondering why that is being quenched. That seemed interesting to me. From there, the words go to the weavers, as she calls them, and they create the executive summary stating the recipient's identity in heaven, the mandate on their life, and their, and their season. There are also discerners and seekers involved in the process. And in her interview with Ben, she mentioned about a QR code being provided to the recipient, as many times they prophesy also through scenes from movies or songs. So if, if they believe they're getting something from a movie such as Lord of the Rings, and it's a specific clip in that movie, they will actually incorporate that into the QR code to share with that person so they can watch it and they can extrapolate the prophetic meaning from that movie scene over their life. So this is the second part of the video I was telling you about where I'm going to interject here. And so now we're going to take a look at the mini report sample that you can download off aquaregia.com. Now on the screen, you're going to see one of the pages. Again, we're not going through all the pages of the mini report just for time, but I wanted to touch on the main things I noticed during, when I downloaded this sample report. So there's a page called the Intelligence Briefing. If you'll remember that there are some two parts of the prophetic report, there is the intelligence uh, and then the interpretation. So this page says, this section contains raw and categorized prophetic messages from the people on our team. Each spent several minutes tapping into God's heart for you and then capturing their impressions in writing or sometimes drawing. They know nothing about you, such as whether you are single, married, a parent, etc. They were given only a code name, for example, female1234. At no time did the people on our team discuss with each other the messages they were receiving before submitting them. As a result, the words below are true are truly the product of a double-blind methodology. We recommend reading through this section with your senses fully alert. Stay attuned to what resonates with you and what moves you. Look for hidden meanings, themes, and patterns that emerge. We have no way of knowing anything about you, but God knows you and shares some of the details with us. Resist the urge to make sense of every word. Some words or details may not apply. Focus on what does and feel free to discard or shelve what doesn't at this time, but keep in mind that some things may make sense in the future. So I want you to just take in what you just heard that someone is paying for this report. This is a $450 mini report. Uh, they've changed since I did this episode. They are now the, the, the personal report is $2,200 instead of 2000. 
and the company report is $2,750 so that you can get prophetic guidance for your business. But I want you to consider what you just saw and what I just read to you in the intelligence briefing. They're telling people that, yes, we took time to hear what God has to say about you and were the impressions that we get, while also telling them you get to decide what is what God spoke to you and what is not. So you are the arbiter of truth, it sounds like, right? And it's also telling you that if something doesn't agree with you, that you just put it on the shelf or you just discard it. Just don't pay any attention to it. Trying to make it to where modern day prophecy is not authoritative. Where do we see that in scripture? That's just a question I want to pose to you. As we keep going with this, the next page you're going to see, it says this, you are someone who is competitive, determined, and likes to set goals. So these are some of the prophetic things that they're giving them, some of the intel, if you will, the intelligence they're giving them. It says you carry the ability to focus on whatever task is at hand, and you can tune out whatever might represent itself as a distraction to what you are trying to achieve or whatever goal you're working towards. All of this allows you to be like an arrow that flies through the air, launched by the hands of the Lord. Whenever he aims, you are surely to go without hesitation, and you, uh, and he knows he can count on you to hit the bullseye. I believe you will be entering into some sort of competition. This Again, this is the intelligence that they're giving them. This is the prophetic impression that, that they're giving this, this uh, example here. I see you as athletic, competitive, strong, confident, and function well under pressure. There is an event like a bodybuilding competition or something that measures muscle strength that is coming up. You have been training for this, and it has required a lot of focus and determination on your end. I see this happening after months and months of discipline, and I see tulips, so I'm thinking it's springtime. You had to put your hat into the ring and give your yes in order to be a part of this, and it was with much hesitation, but I can clearly see that it will be the right choice for you, and you won't regret it. It will be very rewarding. I feel like you're going to win a trophy or receive some sort of recognition that will be well-deserved. As they go on, another part of this prophetic word that uh, Melanie Kay gave to this person, people around you are supportive and won't understand how you are pulling it off. It all looks like an insurmountable mountain to them, but it's an exciting challenge to you. You will be preparing by taking care of yourself at a whole new level through food, exercise, meditation, rest, and cherishing yourself all during this time. Not everyone would be able to pull them something like this off, so hats off to you. You're definitely a go-getter, the envy of many. The next one that I pulled from here, again, it's not the whole report, but from Kim D. These are the impressions or the prophetic words that she got from God. I see you coming into a mighty season of breakthrough. Your perseverance is now starting to pay off, says the Lord. I feel like this will take place by the end of the year. I see you at the kitchen sink doing dishes and you see a red cardinal bird outside. Something about what the bird is doing will get your attention. This is a sign that the time is coming near. It will come in the form of a financial blessing in a timely manner. I see an office setting with a coworker involved. I feel this is a financial breakthrough for you and your family. God has put something on your heart that you have wanted to sow into and steward for quite some time and now you have the financial blessing to do so. You are a gift giver and carry the gift of multiplication. As you steward the financial blessing God has given you, it will begin to multiply into even more financial blessings. The next one from Shauna S. in this sample report. Three keeps being highlighted to me. I sense that there are three opportunities that are becoming available for you. Opportunities to teach and train outside of your current circles. These opportunities serve as an expansion to what you currently do, not as a distraction. The opportunities will serve in quick succession to the next. I sense that the first person will come in the way of a phone call and the next two will follow soon after. In order to prepare, I see you refining your teaching and training to create a smooth transition between points. 
As a sign that this is a happening, I see you finding or receiving a flower stem that has three blooming flowers on it. You are an equipper and you carry the ability to multitask well. You can juggle many things without one falling. You have great dexterity. I have an appreciation for you and what you do. It is significant and essential. Thank you. Shannon F. is another one that's listed in this report. Your house will be a house of hospitality. You will have large gatherings, intimate gatherings, and everything in between. Your house may be small right now, but I see it being changed out for a much larger one. You will transition from the small house to a bigger one over many years, but the hospitality has already started. Hospitality comes easily to you. You are the whole, whole uh, welcoming committee. You repair your house, greet the people, serve them, welcome them, and help them leave feeling like they were at home. There is a warmth inside your home that brings love and peace to those who enter. So you can see that this is talking about being hospitality. Uh, they encourage this person to pray over their space for each of those people coming to visit and you will see their lives transformed. But just by you praying, you're going to see their lives transformed. Um, I don't know if there's any mention of the gospel at all ever in any of these reports. And I, I, I've expressed my concerns before. I don't think that there is, but we'll share another one. Uh, another individual that's sharing what they believe they're getting from God, a bread machine. I feel like the idea to produce resource slash wealth is coming. On one morning as you do your routine, drinking coffee and browsing through a magazine slash paper, the light bulb comes on. It seems ordinary and nothing special, but the Lord is shedding light on the idea. You are able to pick it up in a revelatory way. It is something, not something unconventional, but you can breathe into it a new spin. I see children giggling i sense that there will be children involved with children or for them as well because you are a creative person who has childlike mindset you are very good at associating with children in order to prepare for it be steadfast consistent and faithful with your daily morning routine and then they talk about what to do in that daily routine and then this individual also said i hear sharpshooter I feel that the Lord wants to let you know that you are accurate in hearing him judging a situation. You carry the mindset of a judge. You are also quick. You can quickly analyze and judge a situation. You are such a leader with determination and boldness. You are fearless. You know how to move forward in spite of resistance or opposition once you know this is the way. So another part of it. Now, the next part that you'll see here on the screen, this is the next area in the report that they provide is an overview, such as keywords. And the keywords are pulled uh, out regarding the, the this person's identity and the assets, gifts, and skills that they possess. Uh, foretelling contains potential insights concerning this person's future. Actionable intel provides information that can be pursued to develop strategic plans. Now, this next page here, talks about keywords that we just mentioned about who this person is, their identity. And what the trackers do, Lindsay has these people called trackers that she talks about in her interviews, that they go through and they pull out what is truth. And they're looking for things that uh, make a common thread, things that are running together very similarly. So you can see they created a list here. Someone who is competitive, determined, likes to set goals, like an arrow that flies through the air. Launched by the hands of the Lord, athletic, competitive, strong, confident, a go-getter, the envy of many, a gift giver, equipper, creative person. Uh, here's more, more of that list. Perseverance, uh, great dexterity, hospitality, childlike mindset, very good at associating with children, mindset of a judge, leadership. So now they're going to provide some actionable intel to this person, their heavenly to-do list. So here's the action items they tell them. I believe you will be entering into some sort of competition. So they're basically pulling out the certain phrases that we've just read through some of these, and they're highlighting some of them and emboldening some of the statements to draw attention to those. Now, there's one last page that I wanted to read to you all, and it's at the very beginning of this sample download. And so I wanted you to understand 
again, some of the things that they believe about the prophetic and especially with Lindsay, what she views as prophetic. And we've heard her say this in one of the clips earlier under the processing and the mini report at the close to the very beginning of this, when they're telling the person you've been highlighted, you, you know, we've been giving you a prophetic report that you have a secret code assigned to you. So nobody knows your identity and the other people prophesying over you have not conversed with one another or counseled with one another. So trying to make it to where there's no way that anybody could know this information except God. In the processing section at the beginning of the res this report, this is what it says, and you'll see this on the screen. Consider this report to be full of fun conversation starters for you and God. Pay attention to what resonates and what you may feel led to pray into more. Try reading it literally once. Everyone has their own lexicon with God, and he knows exactly which words and symbols are included in yours. After that, we suggest going back and reading it again through metaphorical glasses to see what is cloaked for interpretation. Search the deeper meaning for things that may not be obvious at first glance. Sometimes a word will be relevant to you immediately. Other times it won't make sense because it is meant for a later date. If anything in this report doesn't resonate with you at all, feel free to simply ignore it because we can certainly swing and miss. And I can attest that this was a way that I was taught in the prophetic and that I taught others about the prophetic. And I would ask this, is this what scripture says? Is this what scripture tells people to do in the prophetic? Is this truly hearing the voice of God? If someone says that God has said something, are we to diminish its authority in our lives? Because that's what the modern prophetic movement does. It diminishes the authority of God speaking in our life while also saying you can hear the voice of God whenever you want to. And this type of report is telling people, if you judge, not taking scripture into context, if you judge and you decide this doesn't resonate with me, feel free to ignore it. And I'm just going to ask again, when are we told to ignore when God is truly speaking to us? This is why we need to have this discussion because these types of teachings and belief systems, they undermine the sufficiency of scripture and they undermine the authority of God speaking. God's word is authoritative. And when God has spoken, it is never unauthoritative. So with that, we'll pick back up with the remainder of this episode. Thanks again for joining me today. Now, Lindsay does give a detailed example of what the process looks like for trackers to find patterns and themes in, in one of her webinars. The highlighted words are pulled aside and connecting the dots begins, she says. In her describing how they were connecting the dots, I heard her mention that for particular words or phrases that sounded familiar, the tracker Googled that word or phrase to find the meaning or connection. Now, I don't know if you heard me correctly, but the tracker Googled to search for a connection to a particular word she felt truth on in a prophetic word. Um, isn't the Holy Spirit capable of being specific? Yeah, I recalled to you last week that Daniel is the model for this business. It's the model for her life, the, the founder's life, and it's the model for this business. And when Daniel interpreted dreams and spoke on behalf of the Lord, he was specific. And if Daniel is the model, why not see the specific detail provided or ask the Holy Spirit to provide this information as he did? Even Daniel made it clear that the knowledge that is given, it's given by God not Google. So that was another thing I noticed that kind of caught my attention when I was listening to her explain this in depth, that Google was used several times to try to connect the dots. And I got to wonder about that 
to be honest with you, I mean, some people may not see an issue with that, but when you're saying that you're getting a word from the Lord and you're having to use uh, Google or another search engine in order to connect the dots, that needs to be taken in consideration with this because that's not prophetic. And when I say prophetic, I'm talking about the way they mean prophetic, which is which is always foretelling or revealing the hidden knowledge that God has, the secret knowledge for people, their identity in heaven, their mandates, the mandate on their lives. You do not hear the gospel being presented. You simply don't. And I've listened to hours of, of footage and I've read through the site. There's no mention. And if there's mention of, of verses of scripture, they're just mentioned. Uh, Proverbs 25, two is one of them that she mentions. This is based on their understanding of the prophetic, pulling the gold out of people. As I've said before, that's one of Chris Valentin's things. It's when it was in his basic prophetic ministry training, you know, just the focusing on the positive. You don't say anything negative. You focus on the positive. You, um, she uses the model for, uh, for a prophetic word, which is uh, revelation, interpretation, application. Again, that comes from his basic prophetic ministry training. That's, on their, that's in their webinar as well when they talk about that. So now that we've seen the inner workings of a prophetic report, let's talk about compensation. And yes, there's compensation here. And I have some questions about that as well because it seems kind of muddy on the site in understanding and deciphering where this money goes. There are four different types of reports available through Aqua Regia. There's profile reports, there's mini profile reports, there's company reports, and solution reports. Let's start with profile reports. Profile reports provide, a, quote, a glimpse into how heaven sees the recipients, highlights specific themes and patterns that indicate what God is speaking about them, and provides practical steps on how they can partner with him to see the promises over their lives realized. Our hope for these reports is to provide an in-depth conversation starter, an in-depth conversation starter for the recipients to connect with God and hear his voice in a new way. And to order one of these reports costs you $2,000. Many reports are shortened versions of profile reports with the difference being they leave the recipient to uncover the themes and patterns hidden in their words for themselves. Now the cost of this report is $250. The company report shares heaven's perspective on the unique identity, calling, and strength of a company. It illuminates current and future opportunities. It provides strategic spiritual intelligence to insist in decision-making, solution development, and capitalization of these opportunities. And the cost to get one of these reports is $2,750. The solution report is for solving real-world problems with heavenly solutions. However, when I clicked on this, it said the report is out of stock on the website. There is a note below these reports stating, quote, Our prophetic team consists entirely of volunteers. No one is compensated for delivering prophetic words. Your investment goes towards production costs related to data analysis, publishing, printing, and shipping of the report. We are a pay-it-forward company. A percentage of every report purchased is donated to the charity below, which the charity they have chosen is called Charity Water. Now, I was looking through this, and before I saw the three sections to the prophetic report, I, I saw this disclaimer, if you will, on their site saying the prophetic team consists of volunteers. I know in earlier interviews, I've heard her talk about when they were first training people that, you know, there would be 30 to 40 people in a room. I don't know how many people are, are volunteering at 
um, Aqua Regia or Prophetic Lab, which by the way, the money paid goes to Aqua Regia, which is a for-profit company. The Prophetic Lab is listed as a non-for-profit company. Both of these were established, I believe the Prophetic Lab was established in June of last year. And the Aqua Regia company, the for-profit company was established in December of 2021. This is a fairly new company that's been established. I know that they've been doing Prophetic Labs uh, at least for at least uh, for several they for several years because last week we looked at when Lindsay talks about when she was a second year BSSM student she said she went on the trip in Thailand in 2014 with BSSM and after coming back from that 40 day trip she became a BSSM student I don't know what time frame what time span had passed but in her second year at BSSM which let's say maybe 2016, she started having these visions that she was having in trances and started seeing that the, her, her life fell in line with the book of Daniel and began getting these downloads that she talks about and getting this idea of, for the prophetic lab, Bethel incorporated her idea. She, she went on, she did an internship in the third year with the prophetic department and began to incorporate this idea of the prophetic labs and training people how to do this. And it grew from there. And now she has her own business that she's talking about that I'm sharing with you today. Aqua Regia and the subsidiary is the prophetic lab. So as I'm looking at, at this, this statement, I'm thinking this really is, is troubling because this sounds like simony. This sounds like paying for prophecy, but then there, it sounds like a roundabout way to get around this. And what in the world is data analysis? And then when I started looking and I saw the, the breakdown of the three parts of the report, I uh, instantly like the second part with the interpretation where intelligence is compiled and analyzed for patterns. I thought, is that the data analysis? Because that's part of delivering this prophetic word. I think that there's trying to be some separation here. And again, I don't know the thoughts and intentions of Lindsay's heart or the people that are involved in this. I don't know what they're, if, if they have deceptive intentions that they're trying to deceive, maybe they're deceived and they don't realize it and they genuinely want to help people. I don't know, but this is not prophecy. This is not how any of this is, is laid out for us in the model of scripture and how prophecy was conducted either in the old Testament or in the new Testament. And it would seem the data collected consists of prophetic words. And in line with the section two of the prophetic report, the interpretation where intelligence is compiled and analyzed for patterns. And it is great to be helping others through a charity. And uh, though the percentage is not disclosed. And I, I appreciate that people want to help other people and they want to be generous and give them uh, finances to help them. But I'm having trouble understanding how this wouldn't technically fall under simony because people are essentially paying for prophetic words and to hear the voice of God. They're paying $2,000 for someone to sit down and tell them in a highly stylized way, this is how heaven sees you. This is the mandate on your life. This is the season that you're in. It's interesting, too, how it's set up that this this company, which she admits in the webinar, she says the Aqua Regia lays low. They don't talk about it much. That's the for-profit company and the subsidiary underneath it is the prophetic lab, which is for equipping the church. We'll look at them here in just a second because they offer uh, e-courses and such that people can pay for in order to learn how to do some of these things and to hear the voice of God. These are, these are questions that need to be asked. I hope that you're asking them as well as you're listening to this. And again, I want you to be, and I don't mean this in a, 
a gossipy way of saying all this and then saying, oh, you need to pray for her. You, you really, we really need to be praying for Lindsay, praying for people on this team that their eyes are opened, that their ears are open to hear the truth of the gospel, to turn from these ways to repent and turn from them. And I mean that in all sincerity. There's no malice on my end. This is genuine concern from someone that was involved in stuff like this. When I was searching through this, there was at one point that I was looking at something and I can't remember what it was and I'm reading it to my husband and it had hit me while I was looking at it. I was not to this point, but there were things that she's doing I really uh, related to when I was in this movement. I, I mean, it was it was sobering to look at it and think that. And it was not a condemnation that I was under, but it was this, wow, this was, this was the direction that I was going, not in this exact direction of making this type of lab, if you understand. But I I think that that's, it, it really caused me to have compassion. And I know that, that for some, they won't see it as compassion. They'll, they'll see it as being a Pharisee, which I would encourage you to look at what the true definition of a Pharisee is and what they actually did. Um, they will see it as religious or, um, you know, void of the spirit, or they'll see it as being critical. There'll be all these other labels put on it without fairly looking and examining what the concern is. And the concern is God is not being glorified in this. There is another gospel being presented. There is another Christ that is being presented. I don't know who, I don't know what voice these people are hearing, but there's no mention of the, the the true gospel in this. There's no mention of, you know, you're re, you're in rebellion, you're in sin, and you've broken God's law. And because of that, the the judgment of God, the wrath of God abides on you when you disobey God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came. He was sent by the Father to atone for our sins so that way we could be reconciled back to the Father so that way we would no longer be children of wrath. And what we do, and the call is to repent and believe in Him, believe for salvation and understanding that when we are made new in Him, when we are cleansed by His righteousness and it's traded for our unrighteousness, our filthy rags of righteousness that Isaiah talks about, our sin, our rebellion, and we are truly in Christ, then he gives us the promise of eternal life in addition to cleansing us from all that unrighteousness. And then we begin to walk in the ways according to his word, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And so there was one point that I was looking at this and I really, I broke down because I was telling my husband about it and it was so difficult to look at this because there's a frustration aspect of this, of going, people don't see what's going on here, that God is not being glorified in this. And it is frustrating. And then reaching that point of thinking, wow, there's things that she's doing that I used to do these exact same things. I remember looking at my husband and I was breaking down in tears. And I said, was I like this? Is this how I sounded? And he was honest and saying, yeah, I mean, there were things that you were doing, not to this extreme, but still there are things that you were saying that are similar to what what's going on here, or what's called the prophetic. So I hope that you understand that though there is some frustration that I have personally to this, and, and there are people that message me all the time that equally share this frustration, there's also a sadness that comes with this, of and a joy at the same time. It's, it's really hard to explain, but when you know that, that, that God has brought you out of 
things that really are not agreeing with what his word says. And his word is the standard, by the way. And I know that also there will be people that get offended by that. But that's the truth. And if and if Christians uh, that are professing Christians have a problem with another professing Christian saying that the Bible is the standard, then that seems problematic in and of itself to get mad about something like that. But there's a mixture, there's a hodgepodge of emotions and, and things that you're dealing with in this. There's joy in knowing that God's brought you out of deception. There's sadness that other people are involved. There's frustration or even a righteous indignation that that people are disparaging the name of God, that they're, they're misrepresenting him, that they're, they're, they're being um, irreverent. There's a lot of, uh, there's a mixture to this. And above all things, we should want that God would be glorified in this, that we testify of Christ through that sadness or through that righteous indignation that we're always pointing back to Christ and that we're, that we're always telling the joy of our salvation. Um, I'm thankful that God brought me out of this because um, now I, I, I'm now I'm starting to see the true fruit from from a life lived for Christ, and that He is glorified, and I give Him all the glory for that. But I have concerns about this. This this is this is really looking like people are actually paying for prophetic words to hear the voice of God, and this is not okay. Now, as for the Prophetic Lab, which is a nonprofit subsidiary of Aqua Regia, they offer equipping webinars for people. They have classes such as Prophesy Your Year. I think it's $35 to do that. You can hear what God is saying to you for the next 12 months. You can learn how to prophesy specific and accurate words in this class, how to prophesy signs that testify to larger promises, and you receive a digital calendar to put your prophetic words in. During this class, they play songs on the Prophetic Lab playlist found on Spotify. And most of these songs are movie scores, such as Back to the Future, um, Edward Scissorhands, Lord of the Rings. There's several different on there that, that it's not actual worship to the Lord. It's movie scores that they play to inspire people to prophesy. And again, this is trying to teach you how to hear the voice of God. We don't see this in scripture, guys, by the way. We don't see this. Uh, I think this is really training to hear what your inner self, <laughs> to look inward and to hear what what you think God is saying. And we're never told to look inward in that capacity. We, if anything, if we need to look inward, we need to look and see how much we need Christ. That's what we need to be looking at when we look inward. Because when we start to look inward, or what people call navel gazing, when we begin to look inward, and we all and all we see is the good in us and the gold in us and then we're really making ourselves God, and we're not being honest in, in why we need Christ, why we need Him to cleanse us. Other online labs they offer in the Prophetic Lab are the Prophetic Intensive Lab, where you can make your own prophetic report. And doing the cost of this is $550, so they acknowledge that a personal report, a, a profile report is $2,000, but you can actually do this lab and do your own report for 550 they also offer a science and timeline lab and a prophetic lab 101, both teaching how to hear the voice of God in some capacity. And these are $35 and $85 respectively. And they also offer an investigative and interpretive service for those who have prophetic words they cannot process on their own. So you can submit one to four words to a prophetic tracker and they will sit down with you, review them, see the themes and patterns in them, and they will help you to unpack what God is saying. The cost of this service is $125. 
One final area to address is the Instagram account. And I normally wouldn't cover something like this and and go through and show you examples of posts in here, but I feel like it is necessary for this so that you can get an even better picture of what's going on. I actually took time to look at this account and I wanted to share with you some of the examples on their feed of what is encouraged and also give you examples of how the ID code works. Remember a little bit ago, I told you how they assign um, a secret code, an ID code to someone. They don't ever tell the people prophesying the person's name or anything about them. Only one person, typically Lindsay, knows the information about the individual, but the other people that are prophesying know nothing. And the people in the room that are prophesying are not even, uh, they say, are not even communicating with one another. That's why they assign a code because they want to uh, do the double blind methodology, which again, this is a really odd way of doing a cold reading is what this is because they don't have the person sitting in front of them. They're not basing it on body language or what the person looks like or um, how well kept they are in their uh, hygiene. You know, there's lots of different things that people could do. Such psychics will do that. They do cold readings of looking at someone's body language and how they're dressed and, and, and how their uh, hygiene is, or, you know, just different cues they'll pick up on or facial expressions and they'll do cold readings and they'll ask vague questions. And, and so this, this also goes on in the, in the prophetic too. So an experiment was done with the code name. Here's the first one. Here's the first post I want to share with you. And there's several of them that we'll go through. An experiment was done with the code name female one. So capital female with the number one after it. And this is what the Instagram post um, instructed people to do. Participants were told to spend some time with God asking questions regarding the heavenly identity of female one. They were to ask, what does God think of her? And what are the words he would use to describe her? They were then told to grab a piece of paper, draw whatever came to them about her, and to let the Holy Spirit guide their hand and see what comes out. And that's verbatim from the Instagram. They were told that. A few days later, it was revealed that female one was that person's mother. So in case you're a little confused on this, because it took me a few minutes to figure out what they were doing, I had to look through there and I'm going, oh, okay. So they're giving the code name and giving the questions for people to figure out. And they're basically opening this up and making it an experiment on their Instagram account. And then a couple of days later, they'll reveal the identity of the person that had the code name. And it's essentially for the, the participants to say, what did God say about this person to you? Did you realize that you were talking about your mother? Do you see where I'm going with this? So that was one of the posts. So female one was that person's mother. Another day, they had an experiment with male 45, which was revealed a day or two later to be Donald Trump. And they asked the same questions in male 45. What does God saying about male 45? How does, what does he love about male 45? And they, the participants did not know who they were talking about. And then a few days later, they look at their word to see, oh, did they figure out it was Donald Trump? What was God, what is God saying about Donald Trump? The caption below the reveal said, quote, remember this exercise isn't about getting something right. It's about learning how the Lord speaks to you. Okay. Some posts consist of prophetic words from team members. On a particular day, a post was made with prophetic words for someone named Crystal slash Crystal. And they spelled Crystal two different ways in Alabama because they didn't know which way 
the Holy Spirit was telling them how to spell this this woman's name. Someone named Ben, they, and this was a, a, a post on here. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but there was a post, and, it, and this particular person on the team said prophetic words for people, words for people. And they had this list here. So someone named Crystal slash Crystal spelled two different ways in Alabama. Someone named Ben. Someone named Rachel, birthday, April 27th. Someone with a name that sounds like charcoal. And someone with the name Velaquez. Each one consisted of a short word under each person that they were trying to identify. Again, very vague. Someone that sounds like the name charcoal. I, I honestly had a chuckle when I saw that because in, in the caption below it, it the, the picture, it said, charcoal, are you out there? Which negated what the word actually said. It said someone with a name that sounds like charcoal. It didn't say the person was called charcoal. The words tried to sound specific, like saying that someone was getting, I think Crystal slash Crystal in Alabama was get a healing, getting a healing, especially in her right shoulder. But again, it's vague because we don't know who Crystal slash Crystal is. We don't know which Crystal, uh, we, we know nothing. And we don't even know if this is accurate or not. And then if this is not accurate, then it's brushed off as saying, oh, it's okay. You're just learning how to hear the voice of God. Again, we don't see this modeled in scripture. The Old Testament prophets, when they spoke on behalf of the Lord, it was none of this, well, I think that the Lord is saying, or I believe that the Lord is saying, when they spoke and said, thus saith the Lord, it was the Lord speaking through them, a fallible vessel, by the way. When God speaks, he is infallible. When a fallible voice spoke with the authoritative voice of God, and speaking on behalf of him as a mouthpiece for him and saying what he wanted to say, that was completely different than that person, such as the example of Nathan speaking to David and saying, yeah, go ahead and build the temple to please the Lord. And then the Lord actually coming to the prophet Nathan in the Old Testament and saying, no, you need to actually tell David this. And Nathan had to go back and say, this is what the Lord is actually saying. Nathan didn't initially say that that was what the Lord told him and said, the Lord said it was good. He just assumed that it would please the Lord for David to do this. But it wasn't what God wanted David to do. He ended up wanting Solomon to build the temple because David was a man of war. There's examples that are extrapolated from Scripture to try to validate or justify false prophecy, essentially, and that there's no validation for it. And when you say that God told you something and then it's not right, and then you you backpedal and you say, well, I'm still learning how to hear the voice of God, but you just said that God said it, or you just said that the Holy Spirit said it. That's not how that works. You're going to be held accountable for your words and words matter. I know that <laughs> that's something that's said in culture, but when you're talking about God, you're speaking on behalf of God. You are saying out of your mouth, God said this, the Holy Spirit said this, you're representing God, you're, you're speaking on his behalf. And when you're saying things that he didn't say, that's, that's serious. And it should not be taken lightly in that capacity. We can see this uh, represented here and um, doing the code names and, and trying to do these prophetic words for people that are very vague and, and not specific. And we have no way of testing them to know if and to hold someone accountable because what they're doing on Instagram and they're posting this, we have no way of knowing if this really happened or not, if these were actually 
true words that came to pass, if this really did minister, we, we just don't know. It's being put out of the spiritual ether is what I like to call it. And it's just kind of hoping it'll hit a target somewhere and calling it prophecy and removing accountability by the way, when it's not accurate and just saying, oh, we're just learning how to hear the voice of God. This is learning how to hear how God speaks to you. That's very subjective. And when you, and then it's to evade accountability. And it's also to shut down critical thinking, by the way, because when you say that God said something, then the tendency is for people to say, oh, well, I better not question that because God said it. Um, another post they did, there were finders experiments where a team member hid an object on a particular day at a specific time in an undisclosed location. The assignment was to ask the Lord to show the participants the item and to describe what it is. They were then instructed in the post to ask the Lord to take them to the place and describe the area where it was located. So how is this glorifying God? I mean, this is like a spiritual scavenger hunt. Uh, and I don't, I don't see how this is glorifying God. And I don't see that God being elevated here. I see the person being elevated for being able to hear what they think is the voice of God in trying to do a scavenger hunt. This is trying to find an object that the cryptographer, which is what she refers to herself as in this post that, that did this on Instagram, they're trying to find an object that she hid in an undisclosed location at a specific time and that she's telling them, go to God and ask him to describe to you what the object is and then to ask him to take you to that place and describe the area that it, where it was located. And if you got it right, then you're hearing the voice of God. Really? Th this will help confirm to you that you're hearing the voice of God. What if you're hearing another voice that's not God? What if you're hearing your own thoughts? What if, what if what is communic if there's something truly a spiritual entity communicating with you that's not God? What if that's the case? How are you to know that? How is this testifying of Christ? They did another, uh, they did a seeing experiment one day where the caption said, quote, an event happened in the past. Journey with God to this event in your spirit. What is the date? What happened that was important? Who was involved? How does God see the event? Tune all your senses into the event. Now, what I found equally disturbing was the text below the caption that encouraged people to, quote, join your consciousness with Jesus, end quote. The event was kept concealed from the participants on the post for a day or two. And the event that was revealed to those who participated was their own birth. So they were actually encouraged and instructed to go back in the past, to time travel, if you will, to go back to their birth. They had no idea what the, what the event was, but they were to go back to that event that was not revealed to them and ask God about what was the date, why, what happened that was important, who was involved, how did God see the event, and to join their consciousness with Jesus. That type of talk is new age talk. It is not biblical talk. It is not what we are instructed to do in a biblical sense of joining our consciousness with Christ. Does this sound like solid teaching? Is this modeled in scripture? Are we told to technically time travel and go back and, and to our birth? How does that even work when we're at this like quantum leap? Are we able to go back and we're, we're there at the same time, uh, it, dually existing in that moment? Do you see what I'm saying? This, this gets into such, this is not good guys. This gets into, into waters that should not be traveled. And we're not instructed to do this in scripture at all. It does not glorify the Lord. This is not pointing to the Lord. I mean, this is the, the question I, I hope that you'll continue to ask. How does this glorify the Lord? How is this biblical? Is this lining up with, with, with Scripture? 
And forgive me for all of this, but it seems self-centered rather than Christ-centered. There are activities being encouraged here that are not based in Christian orthodoxy, and they appear more New Age and occultic than from people who are to be set apart for God. And some of this seemed comical, but it was also troubling, to say the least. It It was troubling. So having presented all of this to you from last week and this week, I hope that this sheds some light for you on this practice taking place regarding the prophetic lab, and I hope it causes you to pause and ask thoughtful and biblical questions. After seeing all this information, I can only warn others to stay clear of this practice and of this business. It is not based in scripture. We have no model like this for prophecy in the confines of the word of God. There is also the concern that there is little to no understanding of the true gospel of Jesus Christ based on what was detailed in part one. There is also prophecy being done at the will of the individual prophesying, it would seem. When do we ever see that in the Bible? We, we don't. That's the answer. We don't. We don't see someone prophesying at their will. The Holy Spirit functioned in and through those who spoke for God. It was not as the person willed, but as God willed. It is also disconcerting when someone says it is not be about being right or wrong while, say they, while saying they are hearing what the Lord says. It reminds me of the game where a person whispers something to the person next to them. I don't know if you ever have seen this, if you played this or ever seen it, but, you know, there's a line of people and one person, the first person whispers something into the one's ear next to them. And then that one goes down. It's like a chain and you get to the end to see if what the person, the original person, what they said is what gets down to the end. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's not even close to what they said or there's something wrong with it because people are just not getting the whole the whole truth of what was said. This is what it reminds me of. Now I would like to close with this to consider. If an individual is not being told about sin, rebellion against God and why they need the savior, if they're not hearing the testimony of Jesus Christ in true prophecy, true prophecy, the the proclamation of the gospel the the proclamation of the good news to our bad news, then they're not hearing the full gospel. And that's the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they're not hearing the word of God ministered to them in testifying of Christ and his atonement for our sin, then they're not hearing the gospel and the spirit in operation giving accurate words without the gospel being presented should be tested every time. These two episodes have been done with genuine concern and genuine love for people to hear the truth, to hear the truth of the word of God and to not be blown around by, by these winds of doctrine that are starting to come through. And again, I mentioned about spiritual intelligence. There is no way for me to cover even in this podcast, and it would be very difficult probably to cover it in one podcast about spiritual intelligence. This is something that's starting to emerge into these areas of the Christian church, particularly in the charismatic they're starting to write books about it. It's it's starting to infiltrate in, and it's it's rooted in psychology, the metaphysical, um, scientific areas of creating new spiritual pathways, new neural pathways, um, so that way you can hear God better and tapping into the spiritual quotient um, that that's a combination of the IQ plus the EQ and that the spiritual quotient helps you to think more like God and and some of these the the new age and other religions that adopt this they they put a heavy emphasis on meditation on yoga 
on really getting to the inward self and being positive and not negative. And I mean, there's so many different aspects to this that it's it's really delving into a side and then it's putting this spiritual spin on it, bringing it into the charismatic church of going, well, we need to think like God because of taking, again, taking scriptures out of context, having the mind of Christ and not really looking at what that really means as a believer in Christ. <sighs> Goodness, I, I hope, again, I hope that this is helpful and I hope that you understand whether I address these issues and talk about them or someone else does, I hope that you'll test us in in the process of, of learning that we're, we're not infallible. But there is a great concern and love that we have an urgency for people to come back to the truth. That's the whole point of doing all of this and to glorify the Lord. To testify of Christ in my own error when I was part of this movement and the things that I did, realizing the error, the sin that I was in, repenting of that sin, turning from it, changing my mind, going back to what the Word of God says, for it not to be this type of, of thing that is romanticized or that is not in accordance with Scripture, to look at Him as my Lord and Savior. Yes, He is the bridegroom for the church, but He is our Lord and Savior, and He is to be reverenced. God the Father is to be reverenced. God the Holy Spirit is to be reverenced. Jesus Christ is to be reverenced. They are three in one. There's one God. There is no God other before him or after him that he knows. And scripture testifies of each one being God, but they are one. And the gospel, the true gospel needs to go forth. Because if it's not, then people are being led further and further into deception. And that should be alarming to us. That should wake us up to say, we need to proclaim the truth because eternity is on the line for people. This is an eternal issue, as I said last week, and it is a serious one. So I hope that this this sheds light on this. And please share it with people that need to hear this. If there, if you know people that are considering this or contemplating it, or they're involved in some capacity of the prophetic like this, please share this with them so that they can be thinking on this and go back to scripture and what the word has to say, and they can get under solid biblical teaching. I hope that you have a, a, a great week and that you minister the gospel to people and that you take the opportunity to share the love of Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the full gospel. Be blessed today by this word. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesubscribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.